children wait in the water. Gods are gonna trouble the water. See that band all dressed in white. Gods are gonna trouble the water. The leader looks like the Israelite. Gods are gonna trouble the water. Hello and welcome to the American Writers 100 Pages at a Time podcast. And in this episode, we won't be looking at 100 pages. Uh, as I explained before, this particular book uh, is a bit weird with some of the the pagination and how it divides up into the into the whole book so we'll just uh make do uh today i will be looking at uh the confessions of nat turner um it's not even really a slave narrative it's the odd man out here um even the grossenow text which is a little bit weird in its approach and its themes uh is a narrative of a, of a slave and and his life in slavery and his uh is this how he got his freedom. Um, this is this is like almost comes off as propaganda. Um, now it is, I guess, Nat Turner's voice, the closest we can get to it outside of his actions. But anyways, if you don't know about Nat Turner's revolt, you probably know the basics of it. Uh, it happened in 1831, and Nat Turner was. Uh, was a preacher on a plantation in um, in Virginia, Southampton County, and his rebellion killed around I think like sixty white people, uh, men, women, and children. It took a few days to put down. Um, Nat Turner himself went into hiding after the failure of the revolt, and uh, eventually a bunch of uh, the slaves who participated were executed. I think as almost as many uh, slaves were, were killed as were white people uh, executed later on. And Nat Turner himself was eventually executed. Um, now, the historical importance of this, of course, is this is really a contributing factor in, um, in like sh- shifting Southern arguments about slavery um in a way by 1830 you think of it that's only 30 years from the civil war right um but the the really aggressive pro-slavery arguments that came out um before the civil war they're mostly from like the 1850s they're really towards the end um and a lot of the 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 kind of clamping down on slavery the limitation of manumission laws and making it harder to free slaves trying to reduce the free black community in the South. All this is really in that last 30 years of, of slavery. Um, in a sense, by 1830, you still had, remember Jefferson had just died at this point and he was still calling, I, I don't know if he said much about it, but you know, the last we heard from Jefferson about slavery, he was still supportive of, of some kind of colonization scheme and you know the gradual ending of slavery and that was what probably many of the founders thought and that's sort of why they punted on slavery when they founded the new nation they thought maybe it will just go away eventually as the country spreads west or whatever in fact the spreading this expansion of the country west was the country what deepened 
slavery in in the United States, right? The the cotton gin was what eighteen tens, and yeah, the eighteen thirties. You're still in those early years of the of the republic, where where a lot of things are still in that you know people who had lived in the revolution were still alive, for instance. Um, not that there weren't you already saw the shift in slavery, but it wasn't like being as consciously defended and there wasn't the paranoia about like abolitionists that you would see later on. Um, but that's what you get. After Nat Turner's revolt, you see the shift in Southern attitudes towards slavery where it's like, we got to really clamp down on slaves running away. We have to uh, pass all these laws. We have to stop education. Nat Turner was educated. He, you know, he very articulate as you can tell from this document. Um, you get all these pro-slavery arguments emerging after that point, um, and you just get kind of a, a worsening of, of the rhetoric and the language around slavery and the legal apparatuses as well. The whole institution kind of tightens in a way. And eventually, of course, that's going to set up the sectional conflict in a lot of ways, which was had a lot was a lot about paranoia on both sides. Remember, the southern states seceded before Lincoln even did anything. He wasn't even inaugurated yet. He wasn't even president when southern states seceded and started seizing federal forts and, and, and all that. So uh, a very, very important uprising. So I understand why they put it in here. It's just not really a slave narrative. What it is is literally, as the title is, it's a confession. And in many ways, it does strike us as as propaganda. In in fact, we have at the beginning uh, a lot of uh, like a legal document that sets up that this is uh, a confession of a of a slave who participated in this rebellion and was executed for it. And the text is very explicit. Yeah, and a good thing too. Right. Then we get a little bit more of a preface by other like lawyery types and witnesses, and 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 it is surrounded by this stuff because it is the confession it is a legal document it's the foundation of the conviction and execution of of nat turner um it's only in about 20 pages where we actually get the narrative of 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 the revolt and he basically just doesn't talk about so much his life as a slave or his experiences as a slave he basically talks about the the rebellion now, with the actual text we get here, it, it has its own history because accounts of of the revolt were published like in the Liberator, which was Garrison's newspaper in 1831. And what we have here is the Thomas Gray's publication, The Confessions of Nat Turner, published also in later in 1831. Um, and, and so he was doing a kind of journalistic research getting a hold of the confession and all these things. But it's not clear how accurate the text is, right? It, it's not, I mean, it. The, the text itself tries to make it seem legitimate by saying like, they've got all these signed witnesses and things, but there's not a clear relationship between this published text and like the official like jailhouse can, conversations and, and texts and, and things like that, that, um, that Gray did, it's, so Gray was, we're kind of trusting his account of it. So it's, it's kind of secondhand, which also makes this kind of unique because I guess Grosenau's text was also in a way secondhand, but it sounded more like it was just a recitation. This 
um, is not quite that, as I understand it. Anyway, it's, it's, a, it's a little bit of a weird document. Um, so um, it's not easily separated from the legal proceedings that created it. Um, in a sense, Nat Turner is not choosing to produce this. Um, you know, someone after he was dead went ahead and published this, right? Framing it like, like a legal proceedings, which something like that must have existed, right? Some kind of, of jailhouse confession must have been documented. That's not quite what this is. Uh, so Nat Turner does is doing anti-slavery work, though, not quite in the same way as some of the other people are going to be looking at in this series, but he's doing it in action. Um, but this document, um, you know, I, I probably you could compare this to the Liberator's account of it. I'm not, and I'm not sure what that says, but this it's this that becomes popular and has an impact, maybe even larger than the rebellion he organized in, like in that changing of Southern opinion to uh, uh, about slavery, as, as I suggested uh, a few minutes ago. So uh, there weren't that many full-blown slave rebellions in the 19th century uh, North American history. You have some in the Caribbean. Uh, you have some like in, in you have the maroon communities and in, 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 in Spanish colonies in the Caribbean. But it's really you, you have the 1811 New Orleans uprising. You have the Gabriel Proser rebellion, which I talked about in another work back in the Harlem Renaissance was a fictional retelling of that we got denmark vesey's revolt in i think charleston those were both just failed conspiracies not rebellions you have in the colonial period that's not in the 19th century in the 18th century you have the stoner rebellion which was significant maybe that's the closest parallel we have to that um but stoner's rebellion was was kind of it's different in a way. The Stoner Rebellion was led by by Africans who were recent arrivals to to the colonies. Uh, I guess you have the New York Revolt too of 1741, which is not yeah, just a few years before Stoner Rebellion. That was also kind of a, a failed conspiracy. <clears throat> but uh, that Turner's Revolt was was done by African Americans, one who was like educated and, and a preacher and a Christian, very different set of enslaved men and women than what you had participating in the Stono Rebellion. Um, but basically, Nat Turner's revolt is so important because it convinced the South that slavery is not really something that can be debated safely anymore in the country, right? Because that, that's what was going on. That's what I was kind of hinting at before. During the revolution, slavery was sort of being openly debated. You had politicians, slaveholding politicians who were saying maybe we shouldn't have slavery. Right, you have um, people freeing their slaves. You have like Thomas Jefferson freeing the Hemings family. Of course, he didn't free most of his slaves because those went to his creditors. But uh, you, you have kind of a conversation about slavery in which it's it's kind of agreed upon by many of the elite that this is not a good thing and we should our system it doesn't really it's not compatible with our system. But in the last thirty five years of slavery in the United States, the planning class is defending slavery with legal means, anti-literacy laws, uh, codes blocking the movement of free blacks, laws against manumission. You have political defenses in Congress, in the, in, in, in the White House. You have politicians who basically focus their whole career on defending 
the existence of slavery. And then you have all these intellectuals who are wasting their energy defending slavery. Um, and this all helps contribute the growing sense of sectional division, right? And of course, the Civil War ultimately is the, the great slave revolt that we never um, really saw previously in American history up to that point, where you had 200,000 armed escaped slaves invading and occupying the South, and you have another million or so who ran away. So in that sense, I think it's hard not to say Nat Turner's confessions are a crucial text, even though it, it made slavery worse. Um, now, the document itself is presented simply as Nat Turner's confessions made in jail over the course of a few days in conversations with this guy, Thomas Gray, who uh, is essentially like doing the research and, and kind of in, you know, talking with him. So it is secondhand to him. And then soon after these talks, when this confession was kind of put down, he was executed. And as these transcripts put it, the trial transcripts, we get, quote, the judgment of the court is that you'll be taken hence to a jail from whence you came, thence to the place of execution, and on Friday next, between the hours of 10 a.m. and 2 p.m., hung by the neck until you're dead, 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 and may Lord have mercy on your soul. Dead three times in the text. Uh, I don't know how often courts, when they sentence, these days feel the need to put the death sentence three times with exclamation points, but that's what we have here. So the confession itself is bracketed by official documents, um, the, the sentencing coming after the, the, the actual text itself, the actual confessions of Nat Turner is only a, f a few pages. It's like 40 minutes uh, in audiobook form. Um, so we also have Gray's comments. We have the information on the whites killed in the uprising. We got the fate of some of the captured blacks. Um, some of these were free before the rebellion. Um, and for all intents and purposes, were free for the duration of their insurrectionary activities, and of course were executed. Uh, mostly they were slaves, though. But this was an alliance between free blacks and slaves. So anyways, what can we make of this with all the problems of it as a text? Um, there's not much autobiographical, which makes it very different from a lot of other slave narratives, where we get a lot of autobiography, where there's so much ink spilled on saying, I have a life, I have mother, I have family, I have experiences, I, I am a man, right, or, or a woman in a few cases here. That is really key to the genre of the slave um, narrative. But what he focuses on is really, we really see the power of, of or power within the slavery system of the antebellum South. Um, Nat Turner wanted the world to know, apparently, if we take this confessions at face value, he wanted the world to know that he taught himself to read and that he was given a mission by God to end slavery. Um, and he and how he establishes his intellectual and moral independence from his masters. A few years before the rebellion, he actually escaped and apparently could have stayed away, but he returned after a month in order to fulfill this like divine mission. Um, and he also wanted to make it clear to his accusers that he was a slave by choice at that point in order to do this. He was not a, um, he was no longer, he was freed, but chose to come back. Now, as I said, most of the confession is just a description of the events of the uprising itself and essentially the murders in which he's very brutal and straightforward about uh, in the confessions, describing the murders that he and his group were engaged in, ones he particularly did himself, 
Um, the description of the rebels taking axes to the skulls of children are are there for you to read if 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 you can handle it. Um, but he's brutally honest about the necessity of justice and and the fact that he's he he's defended by the divine nature of his mission. Um, and in a sense, he's just saying my actions are no less shocking than what was being done to slaves throughout the nation every day for decades. And he's through his actions making this clear to the reader or the, or the listener because he's, he's telling this to someone else um, in a sense you get a feeling that might have been a martyrdom taking place he actually compares himself to Christ was not Christ crucified and by signs in the heavens that it would be made known to me when I should commence the great work and until the first sign appeared I should conceal it from the knowledge of man success was not promised him and apparently it was not expected, but he did it anyways. His mission was to awaken and shock the conscience of the nation. And that, that's going to remind us, of course, of John Brown, who probably also didn't think his revolt would be successful, at least on the last days before he committed to it, um, where things started to go wrong. And if you know the details of his um, of that conspiracy, at the end, you know, there were signs that not everything was in place for the broader slave revolt he was hoping for. He went ahead anyways, right? Because he probably decided at that point, you know, martyrdom is, is the solution. If we can't give the revolt, we'll have martyrdom. And I, I guess that's all there really is to say about this. It's that's what the text is. Um, it's it's an example of state suppression. It's an example of propaganda um, presented to the South for the purpose of warning them that you can't trust the slaves. You can't trust the abolitionists that this will happen again. And it will be your child's head that will be crushed with an axe if you don't, if you, if you keep fucking around with, with slavery or the slaves. If you let them have too much freedom, if you let them read, if you let them preach, if you let them have their own thoughts, this is what you're going to get. So we have to do everything we can to stop that. And, and this is a point where it's no longer an option to just maybe let slavery die out in Virginia and South Carolina and, and move west. Slavery was already deeper, more deeply entrenched by 1830 than it ever was in North America. So that's that. Um, the refusal of the courts to consider the context of Nat Turner's confession and actions is, is of course, not surprising, but but striking. The, the quickness with which they apply lethal justice Dozens of enslaved men and women were executed before they got, they even captured Nat Turner and and, and executed him. Um, indiscriminate killing um, of of these slaves uh, and and some freemen. So, anyways, that's Confessions of Nat Turner. It's it's a good one. Um, next, of course, we have. 1845, so a narrative of the life of Frederick Douglass, an American slave. Um, yeah, let's let's meditate on that for a while. So next time I'm up, we're going to talk about the great, maybe the greatest of these slave uh, narratives. The one that's synonymous with the genre, right? The one that everyone reads. The one that we all know um, for good reason. It's a, it's a wonderful book. Um, so in the meantime, um, I guess I, I think I'm going to try to watch The Birth of a Nation, not to be confused with the Birth of a Nation film from, you know, the turn of the, the turn of the 20th century. 
um, here it's it's actually about it's eight from 2016. It's actually about uh, Nat Turner's Revolt. I don't know if it's any good, um, but we should check it out. I think. Where is it on streaming? So it seems Amazon Prime, Tubi. Do I can I get Tubi here in Taiwan? I know that's free. You just gotta log in or something, right? Yeah, we're sorry. Tubi's not available. And it's Tubi that has all those. Uh, Apple TV says it has it. No HBO. So I might have to find another way to watch this, unfortunately. But uh, I want to. That, that was a period where there was a lot of really interesting, and it's kind of still ongoing, but interesting films about black history. Um, that, that I think focused on resistance a little bit more. Um, what's that one? The the one about the... Well, we got the one about Fred Hampton. We got the one... Uh, we got 12 Years a Slave, of course. And we've had uh, the Harriet Tubman one, which, which I didn't mind. Um, yeah, kind of in a renaissance of some of these films. So, but, I, but I've never seen that The Birth of the Nation film. So anyways, I'll try to get it to it. Maybe I'll have a few words to say about it next time if it's any good. But our main uh, meal next episode will be Frederick Douglass. Super excited. So uh, anyways, that's all for now. Thanks for listening, and I will see you next time. All dressed in red. Gods are gonna trouble the water. Ooh, it looks like the band that Moses led. Gods are gonna trouble the water. Oh.